Hello and welcome to Friday Night Fright Presents Comic Book Calvacadia 2020. Man, we're going to have some fun this month. Every episode in May, every day in May, there's going to be a brand new episode. It's going to be a mini review of a comic book movie. Yay, can't wait, hyped. So it's going to cover the gauntlet. It's going to be loads of MCU stuff. There's going to be some DC stuff probably. Uh, might be some off stuff. There's going to be Flash recaps of Flash Season 2 every Tuesday. Um, so it's going to be four or five of those, depending on how many Tuesdays are in May. But it's going to be tight, because they've all got a week off. Yay! Anyway, this is the intro comic for Cavcadia. So you hear this every day of the week, and then you'll hear an intro for the movie that I'm covering that day. Or TV show. Ooh, scary! Anyway, I'll be back after a brief word from our sponsor. Hello, and welcome to CBC Comic Cook. Ah. Let's try that again. Hello, welcome to Comic Book Calvicasia, CBC Day 2. March, May 2nd even, May 2nd. I can't even do this properly. It's Iron Man 2 time, yay. I'm sure some people are going to be like, Ian, why aren't you doing the Incredible Hulk? Well, it's not on Disney+. Plus. And to be honest, it's not that good. And to be even more honest, it doesn't really factor into Marvel Cinematic Universe at all because they changed Bruce Banner from Edward Norton and Mark Ruffalo. And despite the fact that Funk Belt Ross shows up in late movie, it might as well be a different version of the same character. I'm sure you can go for the multiverse thing if you want. That technically, Marvel Cinematic Universe universe has different universes and incredible hot one of them but it's not part of the main universe despite some throwaway lines later on remember it's iron man 2 time yay uh, i remember seeing iron man 2 um in sigma i like to say i really enjoyed iron man at the time saw iron man 2 and i enjoyed it in time you know, it's a simpler time, 2010. I think, like, I wasn't, like, I enjoyed The Incredible Hulk, but I wasn't that big a fan of it. And seeing I'm at Tony Stark and Rob Downey Jr.'s Tony Stark game is quite cool at the time. I don't know if it's aged brilliantly. I remember a lot of people at the time weren't happy because they thought it set up a lot of Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff rather than being a complete movie on its own end. But in ret- maybe viewing it back in retrospect with Marvel Cinematic Universe being what it is, It'll, be, it'll play a bit better. Maybe. I do remember liking Black Widow at the time in the movie, but maybe in retrospect, again, maybe it doesn't quite work in a wider stream of things because she's meant to be a spy, but apparently they give her a backstory of being a model, but surely you won't, have, won't advertise a spy. You know, like, surely you won't want plaster a spy's face or anything, even if you're certain that she or someone is. So, yeah, that's there's that. And, you know, who knows? Maybe it'll be good. Uh, maybe it won't be good. But anyway, this is Comic Book Calvcadia. And Iron Man 2's review is coming up in just a few seconds. After a brief word, hiccup from my sponsor. And I'm back. And I just watched Iron Man 2, which was a the third moving Marvel Cinematic Universe after Iron Man and Incredible Hulk. And what are my reactions on Iron Man 2? I don't think this will be a very long review today. It was good. I enjoyed it. I think the the key word for this is always going to be retrospect because I don't necessarily get the impression that it works like a standalone movie because it doesn't work as a standalone movie. It's very much focused on setting up wider schemes of Marvel Universe, Marvel Cinematic Universe even, which was prevalent at the time and more prevalent nowadays. And to that end, it does a good job. It does a lot of setting up, a lot of foreshadowing, a lot of moving pieces in position. Some effectively, some not. And fundamentally, works is like a... In comic books, uh, not 
necessarily so much anymore but back in the day a lot of conflicts used to do pro prequel prologue events to big events so you get like for example civil war had road to civil war and it would be like comic books distinctly setting up civil war because otherwise it would seem come out of less field you know if like this shit happened you know crazy crazy stuff happened like a school bus being exploded by a super villain sometimes in comic books you need a context for that i guess and so this was putting the the civil war wrote the civil war comic putting the dynamics of the universe at time and various things the illuminati did and thing and of that nature so that when you got to the main comic event you're like yeah yeah this definitely feels like iron man 2 dot dot road to the avengers because that's where we're building these movies we're building the avengers movie and this seemed very much like the first iron man's a good standalone movie but this seems like right now we need to start moving tony stark and his characters and marvel universe towards the avengers like when iron man came to success they're like okay we gotta monetize this shit now and they did and they did a by all accounts a good job but it does tailor material to a fair extent because half this movie is clearly a character study of iron man and the other half is clearly how can we get iron man to become an avenger because he's pretty far from it at the end first iron man movie and the way they do it is actually quite clever they break iron man down the first movie's about building Tony Stark and Iron Man up. This movie's about knocking them down and reconstructing them. And by doing so, they make him a very, very much more laid character. But it's not necessarily the most interesting thing because people reacted in the first movie to the cool, cocky, calm, confident Tony Stark being something different. And this movie's like, no, no, he is similar to superheroes, which I can understand some people not enjoying. And it really does rest on performance of Rob Down Jr., who does a really, really good job, but there are moments where it seems like they're not entirely sure how they want Tony Stark to be played, because it goes back from the acerbic wit of the first one, which is very much based in Rob Down Jr.'s style of acting at time, moves like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, where he's like very fast, very witty, very urbane. And this movie, it's like they're trying to find balance of it, you notice some scenes seem a bit weird, like the party scene seems very out of place. But then the banter of Gwyneth Paltrow, aka Pepper Potts, feels really, really, Pepper, Pepper Potts even, feels really, really sharp still, which is very nice to see a few, fair few years later. It's got a real 1930s noir vibe, screwball comedy vibe to it, you know, really good back and forth dialogue, which by all accounts are pretty much improvised between the two, which is quite a nice thing. Um, in regards to the villains, um, you got sorry, you got sorry, you got a great cast in this movie. You got Sam Rockwell and um, Ricky Rock, uh, both who get very very little do, and they're both interesting, both good actors, and they both bring something to the table. But at the same time, it's like they feel kind of wasted. Like Sam Rockwell plays comic relief when he could probably be playing he could probably put off playing tony stark and mickey rourke gets enough to be good but it's still undeveloped and that's the problem marvel had with their initial batch of villains they seem to be relying on the actors rather than characters and that resulted in some performances which were totally off we also get some problematic stuff because Christine Everhart is back as played by Leslie Bibb in the first movie and they essentially slut shame her again, which is weird because it was consensual of Tony Stark and Pepper Potts treating 
christening of heart like shit is very very weird i mean i like that gives the character some dynamics and that she's not pushover but it's strangely soft sexist almost unintentionally sexist i guess you'd say you also get Return from Nick Fury played by Samuel Jackson, who is, it, I'll admit, honestly, I don't think Nick Fury gets particularly good or interesting to you get to um, Captain America Winter Soldier, in which case he finally gets stuff to do. Even in the Avengers, it feels a bit stilted and the dialogue doesn't flow from Samuel Jackson's mouth quite where you'd expect. In Civil Winter Soldier movies like that, they seem to play up playing to him a bit more it's like jeremy ranger his first few marvel appearances weren't very good and indeed scarlett johansson's not particularly great here because they don't really know what character is and again slightly sexist you know the idea that a russian spy would pose as a supermodel and the lingering shots of her butt and cat suits and stuff like that and so like and and john favreau's bizarre improv with her which doesn't really work, you know, sort of like, oh, you're a woman, I guess you can't box, and then it's like, happy, you're literally the employee of Pepper Potts. Why are you such a sexist asshole? you know? It's, it's, it's just, it's like, it'd be fine if it was going somewhere, but it doesn't really. But Corv movie, or at least the attempted Corv movie, is between Howard Stark and... Tony Stark, Harris Stark, obviously being Tony Stark's deceased father, and the way we get some measure of resolution to the Tony, his daddy issues stuff from the first movie, and they do a really good job with it. They cast John Slattery as Howard Stark, who's clearly not the actor who was portraying for the pictures in the first movie, but that's fine. I guess they didn't think Howard Stark's going to be the main character in this franchise, which is a little weird, but what can you do? But you get some good dynamics there, and you also get a sense that they're giving some supporting characters their own little bat story and their own little story arc. Because clearly Howard loved Tony, but we didn't necessarily see that because Howard was dead shit in present day. And but the idea of Howard as this guy who cared for his son and was restricted by technology of his time and wanted to hide his, his stuff from S.H.I.E.L.D. And as much as possible, which is a little weird. Maybe I'll come back and play later on. So, yeah, that's good. And it's, it's, it's a decent movie. John Favreau doesn't make bad movies, in which they might not be movies you particularly enjoy, but he does a good job of um of pacing them and decent job with the actors. It's just this really does seem like there's some serious politics going on behind the scenes at Marvel, and there were at the time, trust me. They tried to lowball Samuel Jackson and Mickey Rourke, because um, the Ike, the guy, Ike Permuta, whatever his name is, a guy who used to be in charge of the Marvel Studios, was a uh, money grubber, I guess you could say, and he is very sexist and possibly slightly racist, uncorroborated, but it's rumoured online you know certain places he did not want to pay them and the uh, marvel creative committee was interfering with movies and things like that so this clearly isn't movie john favreau or kevin page necessarily necessarily wanted to make but as a movie it's not bad it's not up to levels of iron man and it's not up to levels that marvel movies we've later get to but it's, it's decent it, it's a road to the avengers movie it's fine you know it's just it's not necessarily the 
sequel to Iron Man Iron Man should have had, but it's quite watchable. I'd probably go for three stars out of five. Uh, I don't know. Recommends the wrong word, but it's on Disney. If it's you have Disney Plus and you know you want to watch a super movie and you want going order of Marvel movies, you could do worse than you know watch Iron Man two, which comes immediately after Iron Man, but. Not bad. I'm watchable. Watchable. Definitely watchable. Anyway, I'll be back tomorrow with um the first four movie. That'll be interesting. So I will catch up with you guys tomorrow. But for now, remember, life is beautiful.